0: Hey everyone, Dave Broadbeck here. This is the uh, audio for a lecture uh, in Psychology 3256, Advanced Univariate Statistics. It used to be called Design and Analysis 1, but we didn't think that name was scary enough. Also, check out the uh, YouTube uh, videos of uh, these uh, lectures. I guess I've now just committed myself to doing the YouTube videos. Anyway, check out my YouTube channel, and you can find them there. Or also at my blog, people.ac.ca slash broadbeck slash blog.
1: If you like some tips, I hope you're going to be a Today,
0: we're going to talk about another analysis of various design. Analysis of various the Never ending topic. I can see by the excitement in many of your faces that... So Dave, tell us more about the site if to have else oh, shall. Um, I don't see that well, so maybe that's not maybe it was discussed over But either way, I'm going to do this lecture. So let's say you're interested in learning or forgetting. Okay. Which is a pretty common thing. Um, you can't use independent uh, groups really. I guess you could. But would you want to have like a group that had one hour retention interval for uh, remembering solicit words, a group that had a 24 hour retention interval, and a group that had a one day retention interval? I'm interested in forgetting over time. So I want to have the same people tested over and over again. I don't want to test three independent groups. It doesn't really mean you could do it that way,
1: but it's kind of
0: the point of forgetting is that one person or one jibany or whatever forgets things over time you get a forgetting curve same thing with learning like I don't know how you would do a learning experiment that had independent groups time is the key variable I mean a definition
1: of learning I don't know how you guys think learning The learning
0: yeah is, how does she find learning because I always define that uh, some event at time one affects behavior at time two Talk to Scoville's definition. It's a pretty good one. In that definition, it says time one is time two. Test the same people, right? So you can test the same people over and over again. In fact, you almost have to, right? Look at the change over time. So let's see what's happening at different times. Yes. So you get something that looks like this. There's your design now. It's five minutes, one hour, 24 hours. Group one, group one, group one. All the same group. Remember before we had group one, group two, group three, or whatever. Here we get the same group being tested over and over again to get a forgetting curve. Yeah? By the way, that's not an honors thesis. People figured that in a long time ago. People forget stuff over time. Yeah, it's true. My all-time favorite... Honor thesis, conclusion was by my old student, Bobby Russin and Bobby's now a lawyer uh, and, uh, but he was great, he, it was an interesting experiment he did, but it didn't really work. And the only thing he ended up finding was that hard tasks are harder than easy tasks. And it was great seeing you say that. So in conclusion what I found is that hard things are harder than easy things. if you have any questions. It was really nice By the way, you know your honor's thesis, if you don't know, get an effect, it doesn't mean you fail or something. Like it's not your PhD or something, it's, it's the process, it's not the result. Alright. So those of you struggling at home should have detected a problem. I've been r- r- rambling about, well, everything, but also especially independent events, observations being independent. The observations now are completely dependent. I guess he three times. I can predict pretty well his score the third time after seeing his score the second time and the first time right I test Richard three times I think the Richard scores are dependent on each other the heat scores are dependent on each other the Madison scores are dependent on each other aren't
2: they oh
0: no that's supposed to be independent Dave Dave said you can't violate that assumption and I, I did. yes I did I was not talking to myself in the third person now Dave doesn't do that
2: thank you very much.
0: You know what? Why don't we just put that in the model? Hey, let's put the fact that we have the same people tested over and over again in the model. If we put that in the structural model, then the math behind it, and we can then figure out the effect of, we have different levels of people. We'll think of those as a variable. We'll think of people. We have a Richard level, and a Keaton level, and a Madison level. How much people are you? I'm Madison people. Except... So the model now looks like this: x equals mu plus tau plus pi plus epsilon. Pi, in this case, is not three point one four one five nine seven. Blah 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 blah. It is not to do with circles. It's any score equals random plus the treatment effect. That all looks. This looks like the simple model we started with, and we got error. We've just thrown one thing in there. The effective subjects. I'm not going to call them participants. We cannot make them. But I call them subjects. Because they might maybe have plots of land, I don't Or pigeons. Have I told you the story an editor of a journal wanted me to change subjects to participants and they were pigeons in my turn? And I said, I'm not doing that. I'm just not doing it. They didn't sign a consent form, they're participants. So I made animals. I said, Is it animals okay? Can I call them animals? I yeah, was okay. trying to do the right thing. thing. I just felt it was a new caution. Okay, questions about that? We've just put in the new factor. That's all. we put in this new independent variable. We're to think of people and levels of people. five for people. I think all the people should get pie. I That's what I'm saying.
2: Thank you. Love it. Too.
0: Horrible. Um, it's odd thinking of people as a variable or subjects as a variable, and then the different levels being the different people. But really, that's what I'm saying, here. and that's what the master did. So now your design looks like this: five minutes, one hour, twenty-four hours. Subject one, subject two, subject three, subject four, and then we have. So we have fourth, uh, who's gonna be our fourth? It's going to be diamond. She's our fourth person. Now we also have the chamber balance. Okay. Very good. One, two, three, three. Five minutes, one hour, twenty four hours. Nice. So we've decreased epsilon. But we've paid for it. What do you mean we've decreased epsilon? Well think about this. We had a, our original um, model for a for not being able to find an eraser. The applied So the original model for one-way analysis of variance is this: x equals mu plus tau plus epsilon. Our new model is x equals mu, well that stays the same. Plus tau, well that's the same. Plus pi plus epsilon. So the, these are all the same. Right? So that means that before it would be contributing to error if we analyze this as a one-way analysis of variance, the effect of individuals would be due to what would go into the error effect. But we've now split it out. We've split it out. Does that make sense? So far? Questions about that? Because you got meal and Tower are already there. There's only one place... Pi can come from, and that's from epsilon. Pi comes from epsilon. It sounds like the worst Star Trek episode. Mr. Bob, plan, of course, for epsilon three to get some pi. I've been watching the original series again, and uh, God, is never misogynistic. It's horrible. It's so progressive for 1967, you know, but man. Wow. Like it's I'm a I'm a fifty-two year old white man on front the fence. That's like oh, what? They made a the black mirror episode about that. Yeah. 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 That's right. That's what that was a really good episode of trouble. Actually, that wasn't really bad episode of Black Mirror. Okay. Now, here's the second part, we pay for this. It's nice to make errors smaller, because errors could have been the bottom of our analysis variance equation. Or, uh, sorry, yeah, our well, uh, RF test, uh, right? Because the bottom, the denominator... I oh, this is numerator, the denominator. The denominator is the epsilon part, right? If we make that smaller, we make the fraction bigger. Yay, big fraction! Big fraction means easy to find significance, right? But when you split this off takes some degrees of freedom away from error. If you take some variance away, it gets to go somewhere. And it takes along its degrees of freedom. So now we have less, or fewer degrees of freedom in the for our error term. Does that make sense? And that's a problem because, well, it might be. If you look at an F table, the fewer degrees of freedom you have, the bigger the critical value. Right? The value of exceed is bigger. If it's bigger, it's harder to find significance. So we've got, we made the number bigger, but we've we paid a price. we paid paid 40 degrees of freedom. So you can single, this is what happens. Retention interval, that's what the independent variable is. We have, this is the old old one-way ANOVA analyze that lowly you know, enoma, I guess, and we get something that looked like this. Potential interval error, there's our total. For the repeated measures, we get this. This, potential interval subjects. Why is subjects? Three, we'll we have four subjects. And minus one. We'll one, so it's three. We have eleven total degrees of freedom. There's only there's a finite number of degrees of freedom in any design and a finite number of uh, amount of variance. So what's left is 6, right? 2, 3 is 5. I've added up to 11, so it's 6. Error now has only 6 degrees of freedom. And if you looked in uh, a textbook and you found out what the critical value for F is for 2 and 9 degrees of freedom, it will be smaller than it is for 2 and 6 degrees of freedom. So it's harder to find significance. Right? We're dividing by a smaller number. So that's good, was it worth it? almost all of these yes? Almost all of these yes. This ends up giving you more statistical power. Today. Okay. Question so far. So, any designs that say there's a finite amount of variation and a finite number of degrees of freedom, we've partitioned the degrees of freedom and the variance a little bit further. That's all we've done. Here. Mean square retention interval, basically, treatment, if you want to call it that, will be the same for both of those things. Because look, notice how the degrees of freedom didn't change. So, those mean squares are actually exactly the same number. Just like I said when I was breaking down from the model here, you said the cows are the same. So the question is is the reduction in, in, in means for error worth the loss of degrees of freedom for error? And the answer is almost always yes. Okay? It you could probably cook up an example where it was no. Yeah, it probably could. But it would be it's almost always the case that it's, it's worth it. Okay? It's almost always worth it. And you will note that your next assignment, which is posted on our website, uh, which is due in like a couple weeks, that's one of the questions. Was, was the reduction in error worth the price you paid in degrees of? Okay. So think about this right now. Let's just think about this. Is this realistic? mu plus tau plus pi plus epsilon. In other words... We're saying that the effect of retention interval is exactly the same for Keegan as his for Madison, as it is for Richard, as his for. Dunn. Is that yeah. fair? Does that make sense? Like does everybody forget things at exactly the same rate? Right? I think it's fair to make like the assumption. But does the world actually work that way? No. No. <laughs> exactly. So it's probably a bad assumption. That, it's probably bad to make that assumption because with assumption fall, assumptions fall out of the model. Like when they actually come from the model, that's saying you can't screw that, you can't violate that. Except we know we would violate that every freaking time, right? Except it's some really basic. I can't I can't think of anything. Maybe a physical process of some sort, but something that involves anything with biology. <laughs> there's going to be variance in there, right? So some people have. Way better memories than other people. You might have different strategies for studying the list of words that you We've got, uh, let's see, two men, two women, uh, we've got three people who wear glasses. It's funny how I pick like, the people, there's five people with glasses, and I pick almost everyone in this room can't see. That's great. So, that's me. So we got one person who wears not wear glasses, but don't tell me your contacts or anything. I don't want to know because it's going to screw my example up. Uh, maybe the words were hard to read. Okay? And so you guys didn't do as well as she does because it's a little easier for her, because she can read a little bit better, because she doesn't have to, her eyes work better. I was trying to think of something that was obviously different. I don't know. So that's not really a safe assumption. You're right, it would be an assumption we could make, except that it's so such a basic one because it's about the model, we don't want it to be an assumption we're gonna violate all the time. Pi should interact with tau, which is exactly what I'm describing. Um, different people forget things at different rates. The effect of forgetting depends upon the person. Hey, that sounds a lot like a two-way interaction. In fact... That's exactly what it is. So it makes more sense to assume that tau and pi interact. So our model, out model, the out model, it's compared to the in model, this model is completely out. It's comfortable with the sexuality. Um, our model changes. Out model. I've got to remember to change that. I won't, but I have to remember to. So now our model is x equals mu plus tau plus pi plus tau pi, which it sounds suddenly like we're naming off a fraternity. Are you tau pi? Fraternities. It's so great that huh? it happened. really worse I love tau pi. It's delicious. Um, So, does that make sense? That's our new model? Okay. So that's our model. X equals mu plus tau plus tau pi. And you're thinking to yourself, there's no epsilon? How could there be no epsilon? There's nothing left. We've exhausted the degrees of freedom. There aren't any left. Because think about this. If we have, like our example, we had 11 degrees of freedom total. We have two for retention, right? We have three for subjects. The interaction is two times three is six. Let's see, two and three is five, and six is 11. What do we have for error? Oh, nothing. We're done. You can't have zero degrees of freedom. You can't calculate something. That would mean you were dividing by zero. can't do that. You know that. You divide by zero in your calculator, you get a little thing that says E, which means error, or undetermined, or it'll say something. Like that. Okay. Makes sense? So that's what we, we, we can't. Next, we could. We can't. So we won't. We treat S subjects... We're just going to call that variable S... We're going to treat it as any other variable, even though it's kind of a, my old stats prof always called it a pseudo variable or a pseudo factor. Because really, it's different people. But we're going to treat subjects, our four subjects here, as a variable. And they're going to have four levels. That variable has four levels. Right? And we're gonna arbitrarily, instead of calling calling the levels Madison and Diddy and Richard and Diamond, we're gonna call them one, two, three, and four. There's four levels of variable. So in fact, it turns out that it comes in exactly the same way. It's just the, the, the point here is that yeah, had we done it the other way, it would have been fine. In fact, if we calculated it, it would be exactly the same way if we called it an error. This is more of a theoretical thing right now. It won't be in a Okay. So how does this work? Our error term is actually a treatment-by-subject interaction. Because you might be thinking, how do I divide by mean squared error? There's nothing there It's called error. I can't divide it by anything, it's not what I do. I have to quit school. You probably were think about it. I hope. None of you stay in school, kids. So, to so treat my subject interaction, subjects are a random factor, so the expected value worked out that. Remember that stuff? I taught just the other day, and I said fixed effects and mixed models, and you're like, oh, why is he telling us this? And he said it never happens. Well, this is a special case where it happens all the freaking time. <laughs> Subjects are a random factor. Yes, I know I didn't randomly choose you four, but it's a lot closer to a random factor than a fixed factor. I don't only care about the four. Well, I care about all of but I don't only really care about the results of just four of you. I, I want to generalize it to the humans. So I'm going to treat. Subject is a random factor, And if you remember what happens with the expected values of these mean squares... Do I have that on here? I don't think I do. We're going to end up with... uh, Let's see. Treatment effect plus treatment effect by... uh, So the expected value for treatment is that. The expected value for subjects is going to be this, And the expected value for the treatment by subject interaction is going to be the treatment by subject interaction. Because it's a mixed model. And you look at that and say, well, how am I going to isolate the treatment effect when they divide by the treatment by subject and rational? How am I going to test the, the, the subject effect? You can't. There's nothing to divide by. There's nothing that has a we can divide by and get pi when isolate
1: isolation
0: you can't. It's impossible. It's impossible. We fail English. That's impossible. So uh, usually, when people hear about this like, "We just leave it there." Yes, we can't test mean square for of subjects. It's impossible. It cannot be done. There is no error term with the correct de- expected value for its mean square. There's isn't, but it can't be done. There is no error. Also, who cares? What a what a revelatory statement it would be if we found out that different people were different from each other. Wow! you found a subject if that can mean different people are different. Ooh! Call nature and science. No, that's a that would be a result of be interested anyway. All I'm using this for is so we can get rid of some variance You're saying that Diamond is different, that Richard is different, that Keegan is different from Madison? That's impossible. They must be exactly the same. They're clones. No, they're not. They're different from each other. People are different. People are people, so why should it be... Eshmode, anybody? No? Okay. It's It's Your parents would have got that joke. Paul and I were talking today about how our cultural references now, your parents would find hilarious. But we don't. Neither of us care. But it would be nice if you could just pretend. Uh, It's not an interesting thing anyway. Even if you could test it, why would you test it? Who would give a crap? (laughs) that we figured that people were different from each other. It's not an interesting effect. Do you see that? So it's cool. We don't have a way to test it, but we don't need to care. Good. Okay. Questions. So far. So that's repeated measures. That's, the idea. that's really just the basic idea behind how repeated measures designs work. Okay. You Okay. You guys okay, everybody okay? I sort of look at you, but I'm looking at you differently. Everybody okay? Everybody okay? Does this make some sense? Right? So now you see what I tell you, that expected value of squared thing? Now, you might think to yourself, do well, I have to figure out what the expected values are of mean squares whenever I do design? There was a twine when we did. I'm going to show you a really neat trick. Maybe today, but probably on Tuesday. Pairs or correlated t-tests, sometimes called right, where you just match people up and then you treat them like it's repeated measures. Well, we can do the same thing here with analysis of variance. So before and after, or instead, you have the same subjects and you match them on the variance. So a variable. So randomized, this is called a randomized block design, I and mean, usually match the subjects on in the dependent variable. Okay. So if we were doing, testing three different blood pressure drugs, we would find three people with the same blood pressure, and put them in what we call block, and treat them like the same subject. That's the case, and we keep it saying it's sensible. we get a block, it's sensible, yes. If that assumption that it can be made. If, if we've already pre-measured and matched them, okay. Just what we would do with t T-test, repeated measure T-test, right? So by extension, then, we can do exactly the same thing with repeated ANOVA. We're basically going to use something that looks a lot like repeated measures analysis of variance, but we're using different people. So we take subjects and we, we block on What we need is something called homogeneity of experimental units. That just means that within each block, as it's called, we have the same score for this, for something we blocked on. So again, if it was blood pressure, we find three people at the same blood pressure. That's the homogeneity part of experimental It's all the same. Okay? And then we test them on some blood pressure. Then we find three other people and we test them on blood pressure. Now you can do it match pairs or match triples. You could have literates is often used as a block, blocking variable. Except Same, it's exactly the same logic as the correlated or dependent sample t-test, except we're going to deal with an or analysis. Of our so we're going to block on a variable. We call this variable, when we block on, we call it a nuisance variable. It's a variable that gets in the way, but we can measure it. Oh, it's measurable. That's nice. Okay. This is going to reduce epsilon, reduce error, any error we have, and give us more power. The model is very similar to the one we've seen before. Okay. So the repeated measures is actually a special case of, 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 blocking. Oh, sorry, of a randomized block design a special case where you, with a block, in fact is the same person. Here we're just going to use people that have been blocked on whatever the use variable is. Before the use variable is individual people. These people are in nuisance. So the structural model actually looks like this. Oh, it looks like the one we started out with. X equals U plus tau plus pi plus epsilon. And score equals the grand mean plus the treatment effect plus the effect of the block plus residual residuals. What's left over? Of- Residual is just what's left over. There. Some assumptions on um, the effect of treatment sums to zero. Always does. Um, that the effect of blocks they're normally independent. They're normally independent with a mean of zero and a variance of sigma squared sub pi and. That the residual, the error, what's left over, is also normal and independent with a mean of zero and a variance of sigma squared sub so epsilon. Then there's standard kind of assumptions we're going to make, okay? Nothing to worry about. Error is independent of pi, independent of the, the block That's an important assumption you can't violate. Like. So I keep looking at my phone. I keep thinking my son's texting me. You can find it because I get so many text yeah, messages, I'm sort of. I am David Mitchell. I just, it's common courtesy that you know, you're still up here putting on a show and you guys pay for it and you think I'm actually just going to look at Facebook for a while. Blah, 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 blah. No, I just, I'm always concerned that my son's texting me because he does nowadays. And it's always something like, there's no money left in my bank account or something like that. No, that wouldn't be the case there. But I was a ladder yesterday because like I paid yesterday. Not enough, but I got paid yesterday. <laughs> actually, it's not that bad. Um, there's also no interaction and of, of any sort. No tau by pi interactions. This is a really strange assumption because before I was saying with people, we, we can assume there's interaction. We can actually measure that. The problem here is we can't measure the interaction between the, the effect of a block and the effect of treatments. So if we put people into different blocks, there's not any variant, we can't measure it like, there's no way we can calculate it is what I'm saying we can put it in there there's a way you can do it I'll talk about that at the end but it's really annoying it doubles the size of your design no one wants to do that so there's no interaction but what if there is an interaction in the population Like just because we say there's no interaction doesn't mean there isn't one so what if there is one well, errors are going to increase because the only place unexplained variance can go is error. Right? That's the only place unexplained variance can go live. is in the error So you lose power. The, the, the only upside of this is you're not going to make. False positives. You're not going to say there's an effect when there isn't one, but you might, there might be an effect and you miss it. Okay? So, the best thing you can do here is actually not have interactions. The problem is, how do you know there's no interactions if you can't actually measure them? Uh, that's going to be hard. Because if you knew the answer, you wouldn't do the experiment. That's always the thing, right? So you have to look at this is where the power of exploratory data analysis. So here's an example. We have three methods of teaching, and let's say it's teaching French as a a second language, my wife does that. So let's say it's teaching French as a second language. A couple of you have been taught. So the point here is that people who come in and as much as it's actually possible in Ontario not to take French in high school, people somehow don't learn anything. So we can pretend that they actually only got French to grade 8. What, what do you to is to grade 10? Yeah? So yeah, some people, well, that's a at grade 10. Some people don't have French to grade 10. Some people who may have gone to French immersion, and some people who are actual Francophones. Actual living, breathing French speakers. They come from, I don't know, Hearst or Long or something, or Brussels. Isabel Tonic I was from Chad. They speak French there, or Cameroon, or one of the old French US African columns. And she would tell you that that one of the problems is that when you have these different groups of people, how do you teach them? Because you got one group of people that come in and take into a French. they, they don't even know their colors. Literally, like, they're like, well, I know, I can count to seven, un, Dux Troyes, Quatra, cinq, it's really, the first time I walked by a classroom and I heard her teaching colors, I thought, really? But then, yeah, okay. And then you've got people that point to French immersion and can speak decent French, and you have people, actual francophones, that take these things and they shouldn't be taking those courses. It'd be like you going into an ESL class. If you don't nail that and get a, freaky a plus, A, you should nail that. That's what I'm saying. But yet, if you're teaching that, so maybe you've got sort of straight-ahead lecture method. Maybe you've got, uh, I don't know, what's another teaching method? Oh, we've oh yeah, the, uh, what do they call it? The flipped classroom, which is all the rage you now in the education literature, which is where basically you do all the work and I just stand here. Um, so I don't know exactly what it is, but it's a lot of interactive exercises. And the third method will be, oh, I don't know. The third method is the idea that they was floated here a few years ago of only taking one course at a time. For, say 4 hours a day for 3 weeks and that's all you take and then when you're done that class you take another class for 3 weeks which is done at some very prestigious small liberal arts colleges in the states and I really wanted us to do that some people don't like change so we never do I'm afraid of change, I going not have to work harder so did think I feel like I imagine I could just take this for 3 weeks I know that sounds hellish, but it would be done you have any other science, any other classes? Pretty cool, right? No, I don't like it. It's weird. Um, anyway, that's our three methods. And we know that different levels of past experience, let's say you teach in French, and you know in French, is going to have a real effect on how well you respond to those different methods. So we can block on those methods. And we've got nine people in a French class. Okay. So we got low experience, Medium experience, high experience. I don't know what we're measuring there. I just threw numbers into a spreadsheet and printed them a, a graph. That way not. You would look at that and say to yourself, can I use randomized blocker? Because be great because I can reduce error. But there looks like there's an interaction. Right? Because the effect of method changes depending upon the block you're in. But it's not that intense interaction. It's not this ordinal. And my advice would typically be if it's an ordinal interaction, eh, who cares? You're probably going to find the exact. which but. but if you have a disordinal interaction, you, you just can't use this method. You just say, well, sorry, don't treat this randomized block. You're just going to have to have a bigger error term. That's just the way it's going to be. I don't know what to do with this t-shirt underneath here. It's too long. And then I end up looking like underneath the sweater I'm wearing a dress. I'm tucking it, I'm tucking it. You might be thinking to yourself, does Dave ever say things that ever think of things and not say them? Not very often. Um you can have more than one repeated measures variable. Well. So the randomized block, or the repeated measures is a special case of the randomized block, you can have more than whoa 5 minutes, per hour, 24 hour implicit and explicit memory and we're going to test the same people all group 1 wow how the hell are we going to deal with that What's the model here? It's x and u plus alpha beta plus alpha beta plus pi plus alpha pi plus beta pi plus alpha beta pi. That's our model. Because remember, we're just uh, treating subjects as a variable. We're just treating people, pi, as a variable. The math doesn't know it's you individual people, so the math doesn't care about your individuality. The math just thinks of you as being just some other set of numbers. The numbers don't know where they came from. There's a lot of terms here, and probably many potential error terms. Remember, we used tau pi as an error term. Interaction of the, of the effect we're interested in, and subjects. So it looks like there's a lot of potential error terms here. Uh, this one, this one, and this one, right? alpha pi, beta pi, and alpha beta pi. Just starting to sound like something from Dr. Seuss, right? It looks like this. So what we have, there's a way to do this, to read this out. Is you list subjects first. Which is what I've done, and then take your first edit variable, retention error. And then we go subjects by retention error. And then we list the next, and I call it M for memory, okay? For implicit versus explicit. And then we cross it with this, and this, and this. See? M, M by S, M by R-I, M by S by R-I. If you do, if you actually list out the terms in that order, the way I just did this. So, list your subjects, then list your variable, then list... The interactions of, this, of it with everything above it and just keep doing that and adding a new ones, you will be able to find out what the error terms are you're going to test retention interval with retention interval by subjects the one below it it has subjects in it memory by subjects interaction with subjects by interaction so it's totally doable figure out what these error terms are without ha- actually having to sit down and work out the expected values of the squares. It's a little trick. We're going to keep building on this little trick over up until all before I go to Florida in that conference. That's <laughs> in April. Uh, so we're going to build on that little trick and this is called doing it, it's called Gates Order, and it's something that was developed by Frank Yates. He heard the guy who developed uh, Oh geez, those post hoc tests, things like that. He's a very famous statistician, and this is the way he did things. It's a, it's a, uh, this is an algorithm he came up with of figuring out what error terms are simply by listing subjects, then within subjects effects or repeated measures effects, and then interaction, interaction. See what happened here? Subjects, attentional, subject, their memory memory by subjects, memory by retention level, memory by subjects by retention level. Go to the one below it that has the thing you're interested in, and subjects, that's your error Now you don't have to sit down and work out the expected values of mean squares. I mean, if you want to, you can. Why would you do that? It only works, by the way, when your independent variables are fixed factors and all of your any figure subjects is a random factor, but that's almost always what you do. What? Questions about mm-hmm. All right. So let's back in and I'll see you
1: guys on Sí <laughs>
2: Sort of like the GNU lessons. Um, I hope you learned something. But if you didn't, I, unless you're one of my students, I really don't care. Um, the music, by the way, for each uh, song, for each uh, uh, episode, <laughs> lecture, uh, is uh, available. They're all podcast, uh, like podsafe music. So if you want to uh, find out about the bands, there's links on my website at people.aoc.ca slash broadback. Uh, if those links don't work, just contact me, and I'll find uh, I'll find out. Um, often, I put links uh, actually in the photo uh, show notes, or blog posts. So uh, you know, buy these people's music; they're they're making the stuff available out there. Uh, thanks, everybody. And we'll see you next time.